I believe most people don't get up in the morning and say, let's make it a really bad place for people to live. Let's just make it a really horrible place for humanity to exist. <clears throat> most people actually think they're on the right side, no matter what they're doing. And, and so, with all our accomplishments in the world, with our enlightenment, with our discoveries in science, with the social development that we've had over the centuries. So now we've done things like cleaned up our water so that many people in the world are drinking water that's good for us. In other parts of the world, we're trying to change those things. We're developing social structures where uh, justice is carried out. We have laws and we have ways of living together. There's been science that has healed people. and We understand uh, DNA and we can map it out. We can send aircraft and spacecraft to Mars and other planets. We can describe quantum physics. We can do all these things. But none of that has changed basically how we live our life in this world. If you go back to the Roman days, they were killing one another. They were trying to overpower one another. Borders were being pushed back and forth between armies. There was power struggles in governments. Most of you know Caesar. Julius Caesar is one of the most famous Romans. But actually, he was short-lived because of a power struggle. Many of the names that you know, they were murdered, they were killed, they were overpowered. It was power struggles. If you like the Tesla car and you realize that Tesla really lost everything in a power struggle, why are we struggling in power so much? You see... <clears throat> It's in this place that things like religions and philosophies get their roots because people are always trying to answer those questions. What is wrong with us? And are also trying to come up with a solution for that. And so in religions, that's what religions tend to be. Whether you're talking about Islam, whether you're talking about... Um, and when, when I say religion, I'm including philosophies, religions... Uh, whether it's Hindu or, or, or Judaism, it doesn't matter. Pick one. And here's what you find. That they are an attempt to fix what's wrong with man. They come up with a set of rules and some ways maybe to follow those. Some of those reach for the inner self and try to find the peace in the inner self and try to bring that to the outside. Others of those religions and those philosophies are about rules that we will correct it if you don't. We will bring discipline on humanity. If you're familiar with the president of the Philippines, Duarte, you're reading some of the things he's doing. His view is, let's kill all the drug addicts and the drug dealers in our country. In fact, you don't even need a policeman. If you know one, just go kill them. And he said, if we lose three or four million of those, it'll be just great. And we will purge that from our society. 
Now, as much as we might think that's a terrible thing, all he's really trying to do is fix the country. What he's saying is, our country will be a better place without the people who corrupt our, our young people like this. It's just a religion. It's a philosophy. Hitler worked to do the same thing. His view was there was a superior race and we need to wipe out those that aren't superior. And if we go ahead and pull the trigger and do that, Let's just clean it up. Everybody, you know, close your eyes, pull the trigger. And once it's done, then we will have a society that can excel and be in good shape. Whether it's an Islamic caliphate, whether it's a democracy, they're all attempting to fix what's wrong with humanity. Jesus and his followers did not introduce a new religious system. They didn't adopt a new type of morality. They didn't bring a new philosophy. They didn't come with new theories about the world and how it worked or how we could know things, more knowledge. They didn't come portraying how we should now behave. Now, their teachings affected many of those things. But that's not what they came with. That's not what Christianity was designed to be. You see, here's the challenge, I think, in the world and how Christianity falls into a category of religions and philosophies. It's when we start treating it like a religion. Then it becomes just another set of rules. It becomes another moral code. It becomes another do's and don'ts. It becomes some process whereby you now become acceptable. You see, because that's what religion is. Last week, somebody was talking to me about Christianity is just another self-help. I would say it depends. If you are talking about Christianity, the religion, I would say that's absolutely true. You are looking for Christian ideals, Christian morals, Christian values that will make you a better person, and, and it's a way for you to look at the rest of the world. I believe that is absolutely true. It just becomes another self-help. But you see, Christianity, as Jesus was delivering it, was no self-help, and it was not a religion. Now, what I'm getting at today is, you see, our wiring is about a system that works far better with self-help. Our system, our, how we work, our society, everything is, is around rules and values and those things. And that's why it's so easy for us to take Christianity as it was delivered and convert it to a religion. It's because we can get our arms around religion. I can get my arms around it. These things are wrong. These things are not. I can get my arms around that. Here's the penalty for these things. Here's the blessing for those things. I can get my arms around that. I can tell you about that. I can give you a list. You can go, okay, I understand that I agree with it, or I understand that I don't agree with it. But you see, it was very difficult to get your arms around the good news. So the Bible, whether you believe the Bible or not, let's just say, here's what the Bible says. It's a very bold document. 
And it flies in the face of our wiring because our wiring is so hardwired for right, wrong, do, don't, fair, unfair. I'm left out. I'm not left out. The Bible makes this crazy declaration. It says what the problem is. The Bible comes right out and says, here's man's problem. It's sin. And, and its definition of sin is where we have become separated from the presence, the purpose, and the plan of God. That's how simple it is. There is now a separation. And you see with that separation, do you know what we reach for? We reach for something that does what God does. We reach for substance. And in the, in, in the absence of it, we create it ourselves. We create our own rules. We create our own penalties. How many of you have felt guilty, not because somebody knew something bad about you, but because you knew something bad about you? You see, you violated your rule, and you had this guilt. See, we have rules that we believe we can't even keep our own rules. See, it's much easier to evaluate myself against a selected group of people that I think I'm better than them. But the truth is, that separation from God, that, that compass of our soul, is why the world looks the way it does. It's why we will collect with people that are like us, and they will collect with people that are like them, and they will collect with people that are like them, and we won't trust each other. And we will build walls to protect ourselves from one another. And we do all that because without the compass, it's all we have. We make something God. We find something to be God. We find standards. If, if the standard of my life is removed from me, I will create one. This is what the Bible says. You can make it as complicated as you want, as philosophical as you want. You can do what you want. But the Bible says, here is the problem. And it goes on to say this. You can't fix it. That's another very bold statement, isn't it? Not only the Bible say, you believe what you will, but here's the problem. Believe what you will. Try all you want, because every time you try to fix it, you will have to use rules and regulations and penalties and benefits in order to try to fix that. And that will be your religion. That will be your philosophy. Doesn't matter what you pick. The scripture says, you, mankind, cannot fix it. Romans 1, starting verse 22 through 24, it says, We are made right by God, with God by placing our faith in Christ Jesus, and this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who they are. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Now, I want us to see that 
This is the Bible saying, the struggle is sin, the separation from God. And what that automatically does, it says is, you won't be able to reflect the glory of your creator that you were made in the image of. When we fall short of the glory of God, the word glory there, it actually just means the expression of God, the revelation of God. You see, if I'm made in the image of God, if you're made in the image of God, what if we can't look that way? What if you can't look that way because you don't know what it looks like anymore? You know, if you were going to do a composite drawing of a, of a thief or a murderer, you'd have somebody have to tell you something, right? How am I going to look like God? How will I do that? Well, the way the church does it often is we do it with religion. God, you know, he does this, so we'll do that. And he does that, so we'll do that. And he does that, we'll do that. And I'll start building these standards, and we'll call it the church. We've gone right back into religion, and that's what makes Christianity a religion. And it's out of that you see the Crusades, where they killed millions of Muslims. Or you see the Inquisition that happened down in Latin America, where they tortured and they killed people because they thought they were a threat to Christianity. Christianity, by every admission, has as much of a dark history as any other religion. What the Bible would say is, that is not Christianity. That is a religion that somebody based off of Christianity. Why? Because it's hard to get our arms around the gospel. So you see, God declares the problem. And he declares the solution. You see, God could do two things. When mankind failed, when mankind experienced this separation, and they were no longer connected with God, and they were no longer with God. You see, what the Bible says, again, it's what the Bible says. It says, he was motivated by love, and he could do one of two things. He could wipe out mankind and start over. He could say, okay, that's a lost cause. Bam! And they're gone. And you start another, another brew, you know? Start another group. As Phil Strout would say, who would know? So God has his choice. He can wipe out humanity or he's going to have to restore humanity back to himself. Why? Because you can't do it. He can't sit here and say, mankind, you've got to come back to me. We can't do it. If it's going to be fixed, God will have to be the one that does it. And what he said, motivated out of love, I am going to fix the relationship with humanity. 
I'm going to fix that. I am going to pay the price of humanity's failings. I will do it. <clears throat> if you were to boil down the gospel, here's how it would sound. If you were going to shout the gospel, if you were going to declare the gospel message, you're going to run into a restaurant or a, a bar or a cafe or something, and you were going to a church, and you were going to declare the gospel, here's what it would sound like. Sound like says, God is with man. God is come and he's with man. God is now walking with man. Do you hear this? God is walking with man. That is a powerful statement. What? It's true. God is walking with man. He's here. He's walking with mankind. What does that mean? What does that mean? God has come and he's walking with us. That's a powerful statement. The God of the universe shows up here. You know, we, when we hear news about somebody is here. <clears throat> Tony Bennett, if you don't know who that is, just I'm sorry for you. Uh, you know, he's, he's like 95 years old. He could still outsing probably all of us. He still hangs with Celine Dion vocally. I mean, and if you don't know who that is, you know, I feel sorry for you again. As people are looking at one another going, I guess he feels sorry for me. Um, <clears throat> I'm kidding. But Tony Bennett is at a, a hotel, and he's in the elevator, and somebody recognized him. Tony Bennett. You're Tony Bennett. He was just going nuts. Ask him why he's here. And, and so Tony, why are you here? I'm here for a wedding. Well, maybe I can come sing something. So Tony Bennett walks with him down to where the reception is going on, and Tony Bennett sings some song for them. And they were saying, Tony Bennett is here. At our wedding, who knew? Who thought that would happen? He just walks in the door. Now for you, you'll have to pick your own artist or whatever you put in there and Nine Inch Nails or whoever it is you, you like. <clears throat> you see, the message is gospel. His God is back with man. He broke the power of the separation, and he's here. You see, that's the good news. You see, that changes everything.
It changes everything. And this is where we struggle. This is where many of you struggle. You see, because it's no longer about my performance. At our core, we don't like that. At our core, a performance has to play a part. I mean, can I just sin and be gross and terrible every day and God's still going to love me? You see, we can't get our arms around it. We can't get our arms around it. Why? Because it's not fair. Because it violates every system we have created. And here's what God says. God says, your system is flawed. Your system has not served you. Your system has been the greatest source of your loss. From day one, you were looking to create a system that would, that would keep you like me. And it's done nothing but separate you. And he steps in to the system we have and he says, you're going to have to begin to disconnect all of those things. Because he's going to disconnect them for you, for me. See, not only is he going to take the sins of my past, and he's going to take those sins on himself, and he is going to walk with me. He's here to walk with me. Not only is he going to do that, but today when I mess up, he's going to choose to cover that and walk with me. And tomorrow he's going to choose to walk with me. Because it won't work any other way. I will still be lost. You see, God's system upends your system and my system. And we have to live in the tension of what it looks like if you're going to walk with God. We need that tension. You and I need this tension to be true. We need a God who, when he says, I've come to walk with you, Bill, he's not going to leave when I screw up. He's not going to walk away from me when I'm fighting and struggling. When God says, I'm here to walk with you, he has the capability to walk with people who are struggling. That's the gospel. <clears throat> you see, the world isn't perfect just because Jesus steps into my life. But what happens in that moment is it changes that construct, that system that I operate from. And I no longer see myself, or God wants me to no longer see myself as the rights and the wrongs that I do. But he wants to see me as someone connected with Jesus, united with the Father, and is capable of walking in that freedom. That's what that song was about. No longer slaves to sin. No longer slaves to the separation. No longer slave to the system that we use in the absence of God. I'm no longer a slave to that. That means that when I have guilt, I have to throw that guilt off. Because that's the old system. Do you realize that? That the old system will bring guilt to you? Do you know that God doesn't guilt you? He can bring conviction 
Oh, and I do this all the time in sermons. We have contrast. Here's God. Here's us. Why don't you look at that with God, see what the difference is, and work on it. You and God, not just you. If you work on it alone, it'll become a religion. If you work on it with God, it becomes freedom. See the difference? That's what's hard to get our arms around it. You know why? Because it's always, forever, about walking with him now. I walk with him. Or better said, he walks with me. He makes that possible. This becomes my new identity. You see, in this way, I actually can be the glory of God that he always intended. And when I step back away from the truth of that relationship, when I try to not walk with God through suffering, through dilemmas, through challenges, through anger, through hurt, through loss, the second I step away from that relationship with God, I will step back into religion. The moment I don't want to forgive you is the moment I step back into my religion. I let go of life and I cling back to something that's lifeless. You see, our struggle every day falls into, are we going to walk in the life? Are we going to go back to whatever our religion was? First Corinthians 15 He's talking about Jesus. He goes on ruling. He begins to rule in my life. He's walking with me. He says, Bill, we're not going to do that anymore. And he actually teaches me how to live without doing that. We're not going to look at people like that anymore, Bill. We're not going to hate that people group anymore because of what they've done to you, your family. That's a part of the old system, Bill. That's a religious system you're pushing into there. You're wanting to hold people accountable, but you realize, Bill, that in our system, that accountability goes on me. I take the accountability. I take the hit. I did it for you. And I'm going to do it for others. I'm going to do it for your enemy. So you no longer really have an enemy. They might behave like an enemy, but in my system, Bill, they are not your enemy. You don't look at them like that anymore. And you are now going to approach them as if I am approaching them. That's the new system, Bill. Continue to work those arms to get them around the new you that's not religious. He will lead us. He will rule in my life. He is put until he puts all his enemies under feet. It says death is the last enemy to be destroyed. And when everything is put in order under him, then the son himself, Jesus, will be placed in a proper order under the one who placed everything in order under him, God the Father, so that God may be all in all. A time will come when all this separation will be defeated. And man will be walking with God. But it won't be in a religion. 
It won't be a religion that you can actually do. It'll be in a relationship with the one who showed up in your bar, in your pub, in your neighborhood, in your living room, in your church, and somebody shouted out, oh my God, God is here. God is with man. They're together. You know, this is going to be a terrible analogy, but you know what it reminds me of? Um, in the movie The Matrix, if you're too young to know The Matrix, again, uh, when, they, when one of them shouts out, Neo's fighting Morpheus, and they're doing this karate kung fu battle, and everybody jumps to the screen to see this. Neo's fighting Morpheus. God is walking with man. I mean, they're together. God and man are together. That's news. That's different. You see, that's what the world needs. They don't need more religion. They don't need your church to show up and, you know, come at them with, you know, different programs to serve or different programs to make people feel guilty or to make people better than they are. They need to know that God is with man. And that invitation, as we just read, is for everyone. In that relationship, John 14, 27 says, Jesus says, I'm leaving you with the gift, peace of mind and heart. The peace I give is a gift the world cannot give you. Don't be troubled or afraid. When we're together, you will have peace. Our religion, folks, costs us a lot. When we want to hold people accountable for things, when we want to hold ourselves accountable for things, our religion costs us a lot. It costs us our peace. Jesus also gives us life to the fullest. He says in John 10.10, 10, the second part, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus walks with us. This is the gospel. This is the good news. You know, as, as people walked with Jesus, you know, the concept of bored probably wasn't there. Now, I would say they were probably confused a lot, but you see, their system and Jesus didn't merge well, just like ours doesn't. Even after they started seeing Jesus, they still struggled. You know, when there was a problem, one of them said to Jesus, hey, do you want me to bring fire from heaven and kill them all? That just went back to religion, didn't it? Bam, that's how fast we go there, too. And Jesus had to bring that to a different truth. He had to bring it away from religion. Back to walking with God. Walking with God is different. And I think part of our struggle is we try to take our construct of right and wrong and religion. 
We try to take that, and then we try to add God to it. Now, what that does is says, okay, here's my construct of what I think is right and wrong and my moral code, and now I've become a Christian, so now I'm going to look at the Bible and see how I need to make some adjustments in this. So I adjust some of my moral code, and I adjust some right and wrongs, and I you know, do some things like that. Now I'm set. And God would say, I'm still walking with you, but I have to tell you, all that has to go. Because he's not about a moral code. He's about walking together and letting his presence influence how you live your life. Because we are stepping into a reality, a life we have never known. We have only known philosophy and religion. It's all we've known. That's why it's so easy for us to fall back on it. I shared one of these verses with you last week. John 15, verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his. As a father has loved me, I love you. And in, in, in the scripture, it calls it an everlasting love. And then he comes in verse 12 shortly afterwards. And here's the command I give you. It's the only real command he gave us. Love one another as I have loved you. I have loved you like the father has loved me. Now I'm commanding you love one another. That's really different than judge one another. That's really different than discipline one another. That's really different than lord over one another. Love one another. We're not used to that. We're not, we're, we're not wired that way. It's a difficult wiring shift. In fact, the scripture says it like this. I want you to love your neighbor. I want you to love one another. I want you to love God. Oh, and I want you to love your enemies. Are you getting a pattern here? What was, what was Jesus' motivation? What was God's motivation? It says, for he loved the world so much that he came after mankind. He came to rescue that which was lost. And now he's giving you what he's like. And if you look and listen closely, you see he's nothing like us. You see, he's modeled loving. He's modeled serving. He's modeled forgiving. He's modeled being willing to be last. He's modeled allowing injustice in God's hand to produce justice. He's really different than religion. That's what makes it such good news. And it's what makes it for everyone. I don't need them.
today. God's people struggle with religion. And here's how the scripture puts it. It says it like this. I know you do. Here's how he says, I know you do. Because you're quarreling. Because you're judging one another. Because you're angry with one another. Because you're hurting one another. Because you're picking out your enemies based on what you read on the internet. The scripture says, it's how I know that religion is a struggle. If you would stand.